Good evening, everybody. Welcome inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse alongside, and we are looking forward to a great show here this evening. Well, some of the concerns allayed in State College as Penn State takes care of Maryland in an absolute demolishment, 59 nothing. We'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about the continued advancement of Sean Clifford. We talked about it at length the prior week on the Blitz where was he able to read the entire field? How was the footwork impeding his ability to get through multiple progressions and really span that football field? We saw a lot of change, and he even talked about it in some of the post-game interviews that he did. We also have Bruce Badgley in studio. He'll be with us over the second half of the show. He does great work in the Berks County area of Pennsylvania, broadcasting and covering high school football. He's even developed his own app that allows you to really source many of the big games in Pennsylvania and beyond that you're going to want to watch and allows broadcast capabilities for schools that don't currently have it. It's a great, great thing he does. We're excited to talk with him about that. And maybe most exciting, Tyler, is he's covered a lot of guys that have made their way from Central PA up to State College and are now keys on this roster. So excited to talk to Bruce. But first, your thoughts, takeaways from College Park and the night that was on Friday. You know, I think we left last week's show with uh, State and, you know, the six-and-a-half line. I think we all picked Penn State to cover, if I'm not mistaken. However, none of us thought that it was going to be a um, a demolishing that we saw out there at College Park on Friday night. We thought, you know, maybe anywhere from seven to maybe 14-point victory. Um, really, from the start, it was all Penn State. Uh, you know, Maryland was was very hyped all week, you know, canceling classes on Friday. Um, in warm-ups, you saw some chatting going along, some taunting. Um, you know, it, they were hyped up. They brought in Ralph Regan, the former coach, the legend for the Terrapins. Um, you know, they had a bunch of alumni there, like Sean Merriman on the field. Um, and, and, you know, they really they hyped it up. It was their Super Bowl. Um, and, and Penn State answered the bell. Uh, you know, I was, it, was a, it was a nice surprise. Um, Coming off the bye weeks in the last couple years, haven't haven't always treated Penn State well. Um, I don't know if it was because this was an early season bye week, and don't forget to get another bye week. But whatever happened over that bye week after the Pittsburgh game, I mean, this was this looked like a totally different team out there. It looked like a new and improved Sean Clifford since that pick game that we, that you talked about last week on the Blitz, and that you're going to talk about again this week. Um, all all facets of the game, defense is smothering. Um, the, the first unit, the second unit, and even the third unit, uh, I don't, I think Maryland barely got over a hundred yards total. So offense was great. Defense was great. And the special teams were, were, were pretty good. So it was a all around great, great game for Penn state moving forward in a stretch run here. Relatively small sample size when you talk about coming off a of bye week So I don't know how much stock to put into that. Glad this one went well. But while we're talking about small sample sizes, how about Penn state in the first two years of this Friday night uh, exhibition, if you will, from the Big Ten. I mean, Illinois put up 63 points against them last year, one week prior to this weekend, and then this year on Friday evening, 59 yeah. on the road against Maryland. Both of those games road tilts, yeah. which really shouldn't be a surprise. I would no. not anticipate that coming to State College well, anytime it, soon. The, the Illinois game actually last year was, was uh, pretty close in the first half. It was. And Penn State finally opened up. Um, but, you know... Last year, I don't think Penn State had the bye before that. Um, actually, they didn't Fair have enough. a bye. This year, they did. That certainly helps. Um, so we're down to one over. sample size. Friday right. night after a but, bye. But still, Friday <laughs> night is just – it's you're, you're not on your normal schedule. As a fan, actually, once or twice – once a year, I don't mind it because it kind of worked out nice having the Eagles play on Thursday for me, mm -hmm. and then they won at Green Bay, and then Penn State won Friday night. I had the whole weekend to just relax and not, not worry about um, football. So, I mean, I don't – I don't. I'm not in love with it, but one time a year isn't isn't bad. I don't think for Penn State as long as it's on the road, and it, you know I, because those teams that aren't as popular, and you know it's really for like the TV for like the Marylands and the Indi Indiana's, Illinois, Rutgers get that spotlight on national television. And when you play as well as you do, uh, that becomes a thing for Penn State, and that becomes a big advantage yeah. for Penn State. You're not shelling out at home and asking people to come from all walks of Pennsylvania and beyond for a Friday night game, but you have a slot all to yourself on national television where folks are able to watch Penn State and they're focusing, if they're college football fans, on that game and 
generally on that game early. Uh, that's the opportunity for Penn State to make a statement. That's what they did. That's why I'm so impressed. And, you know, we can talk, Tyler, about the offense and the defense. First thing I'll say is you see Micah go out in the first half and you think, well, that's kind of a shame. We saw a lot of depth in the linebacking core because of necessity, because they had to throw Ellis Brooks and those guys out there who had been getting more and more time anyway. But he was a force in that game. And you saw more from the freshmen. And you saw you saw Jan Johnson get an interception as the you know obviously the starting middle linebacker, but you saw some different combinations that you didn't normally see because Mike is always going to be up there on snap counts. He can move from position to position, strong to weak. So I think that's a great opportunity for Brent Pry in a real game situation in a Big Ten conference environment to get different guys out there. Yeah, I would agree. And, and first name that comes to mind off that is Jesse Lucetta, the, the sophomore um, linebacker from from Canada. Um, you know, he, he filled in for, for Micah Parsons and did tremendous. I mean, made play after play. You already touched a bit upon uh, Alex Brooks, Ellis Brooks in the middle, um, coming in for Jan Johnson, who, who played well but wasn't in for very long. Um, and really, they were rotating a bunch of guys. A lot of freshmen, uh, true freshmen, played well. Adisa Isaac, defensive end. Mm-hmm. Joey Porter, Jr. at corner. Keaton Ellis forced to fumble. Literally just ripped the ball out of the guy's hands. Um, so... Very, they have really good depth on defense right now, and, and they can roll their second teamers out there and not have much of a drop-off, which is which is crucial because that's the same that goes for the top teams in the country. They don't have much of a drop-off if somebody gets injured. It's next-man-up next mentality, and I think that's what you're starting to see. I just want to touch upon, too, that this isn't – yeah, Maryland struggled against Temple, especially offensively, but don't forget this is a team in their first two games. They dropped 79 on Howard and then I believe 60-something – against Syracuse, and, That's right. and they were the highest scoring offense in college football, if I'm not mistaken, and people are saying, oh, is anybody going to be able to stop them? Well, Temple did. They slowed them down, and, and Penn State shut them out. So um, it's not like uh, Maryland's like a total joke of a team by any stretch. Uh, you got to give Penn State and Brent Pry credit on defense. Credit on defense for turning him into turtle soup. <laughs> turtle soup, there you go. And more derailment. So, Tyler, before we came on, you were saying, hey, we're going to have to go ahead and explain this. To the folks that are watching on video – versus those that are on iTunes and SoundCloud. We have a whiteboard behind us that says Turtle Sloop and Moore Derailment, M-O-O-R-E. So Rondale Moore, the star wide receiver and just absolute stud out out wide. Think K.J. Hamler, um, probably a little bit better. Right, and so that's for Purdue. The Boilermakers is out, along with Elijah Sindelar, their starting quarterback, the guy who played last year as well at that position. They're both out of the game. So more derailment, of course, think boilers, boilermakers, <laughs> the uh, the old locomotive, if you will. And uh, that's how we get our whiteboard here for tonight. But Probably your your best sign maybe ever. Wow. I mean, very creative. Very oh, creative. Don't pump and he up spelled, my ego. he spelled everything right. Last week we made a switch. Uh, Friday night, lights was spelled. Uh, lights was L-I- GTS, I think. I yep. think we forgot the H and we put it on there. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> and we were just trying to make sure our audience picked up on that, and they did. So I give our Nittany Lion fans credit. The Nittany Lion, the Penn State education coming in handy there, at least for those that are not uh, in front of the camera. But, yes, everything's spelled <laughs> correctly here tonight. I appreciate that there, Tyler. You mentioned K.J. Hamler. He was unbelievable against Maryland. Might take some umbrage with your Rondell Moore comment there about him not being up to snuff. Uh, his hesitation moves, his ability to stop and start in the open field, and frankly the inability for people to tackle him is unbelievable uh, right now. I mean, the Maryland defense stunk. Let's just call it what it was, but he can make a lot of good defenders look bad. Yeah, even if, if they were playing flag or touch, they wouldn't have had him. I mean, he wasn't touched <laughs> on it. It was an eight-yard slant that they were trying to get the first down off of, and that was really it. And they did. And it just turned into a little <laughs> bit more. And, um, yeah, the, he wasn't even touched. I mean, he was just toying with that one guy on the sideline. You almost felt bad for the guy. He didn't have a chance. And it, he ended up making him look silly. But, yes, uh, huge loss for Purdue. Uh, I don't. I mean, both losses are, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you're looking. Maybe they can scratch to a bowl game at this mm-hmm. point if you're a Boilermaker fan. Um, pretty high expectations for Purdue coming into this season, yes. too. Um, haven't lived up to it yet, and it's not getting any easier with the injuries that you mentioned to Sindelier and uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, it's going to be tough to get to that 6-6 six and six mark for the Boilermakers. I think that's the big thing here tonight is previewing this Boilermakers team and one that is certainly 
without some of its strongest players. Is there anything more you wanted to get to on Maryland specifically before we move on? Um, you know, just talking about Sean Clifford, but you're going to do that more in the Blitz later, so yeah. we'll, we'll save it for the Blitz because you're going to cover his uh, progression and how it improved from – uh, the Pitt game to the Maryland game. So that's yeah. really all. Spoiler, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about Ricky Ronnie as well from a play call perspective, how that changed. And we're also going to talk a little bit about how Maryland uh, did make it a little bit easier, not to take credit away from Sean Clifford, but we'll talk about all three factors there. So this Purdue Boilermakers team, it's a team that averages over 400 yards of offense per game, 30, yards, uh, 30 points, I should say, scored per game. Offense, Tyler, has not been the problem for a team that has had trouble winning football games thus far. It has been the defense that's been the issue, and, well, you know, that's the part and facet of the game that isn't going to change much between the 38-31 loss to Minnesota and the team they'll bring to State College this weekend. The issue for Purdue is that their strength has been the offense, and Sindelar and Moore are not to be found. That's why you're going to see a ballooned line here this weekend. Penn State a heavy, heavy well, favorite. Yeah, I know that I talked to you before the show, as we always do the Penn State spread. I believe I told you mi minus 24.5 Penn State. Yeah. I had just seen on ESPN that it's now 27.5. Mm. Um, so which one are you going to give us? We're going to stick with the 24.5 because that was the original one. I appreciate that. So, yeah. <laughs> that three points is a big difference. It is a big so, difference. Yeah, but um, – I see Bruce over there. It, it's, <laughs> it's percolating there. He doesn't <laughs> no, know 24 but, versus 27. What are we going to do? I mean, from everything that I, – I thought Purdue ever since last year when they beat Ohio State – in that home game in, in uh, West Lafayette, I thought you know Jeff Brom's got him got him you know back to a legitimate team out in the West. Um, right. We all know that the the West is a lot weaker than the East um, right now. Wisconsin and Iowa look to be the two best teams out there in the West, uh, and don't forget about Minnesota either right now. Um, but Purdue Purdue is a team that that I thought could make a run at the West and kind of surprise some people. Mm -hmm. Didn't get off to a hot start, losing at Nevada. Uh, turned it around with a nice win over Vanderbilt, but then had lost to TCU and Minnesota at home. But when you lose your two best players, I mean, it, it, and they don't have the depth at, at those positions either. I mean, they have some nice receivers, but that's just tough to replace. And, I mean, they're coming in uh, to Beaver Stadium after a huge Penn State win, a, a blowout, 59 nothing. Penn State's riding high. Purdue's not. So it'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, <laughs> what Purdue and what Penn State team we see on Saturday. Yeah, it's an interesting game for both teams. Certainly Purdue coming in, licking its wounds. Uh, but Penn State coming in as on as high of a high as you can get. I, I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I also think you get an extra day of work this week, Friday versus coming to sa Saturday. So you have eight days to come into it, coming off that bye as mm -hmm. well. Uh, the issue and the reason that so many people circled this game on the calendar for so many weeks in the summer is that this is the last test before Iowa and then Michigan and then eventually Ohio State as the year goes on. Michigan State. Michigan State is the weekend after Michigan. Right. So that three-week span of Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State is really the crux of the season. And I think – when Purdue was stronger, that was leading folks to believe, hey, don't get too comfortable at home. Purdue's a good team. Well, we saw what they did yeah, to Ohio exactly. State. Uh, now I think that conversation changes just a little bit, but still worthwhile to keep this team on your radar. Purdue can do just about anything. I think they're a, a team that will be competitive in most games, with or without more. It just you kind of lack that teeth now. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting that last week we said, you know, this is a, a crucial five-game stretch in between the buys for Penn State, and I thought they set the tone perfectly against Maryland. What I'm interested to see is how do they come back with that? Can they keep that up? And I'm not saying you have to shut out Purdue and put up 59 points, but can they play you know, great football again? Because that's what the great teams do. Um, you want to call me elite? I don't know about that, like James Franklin likes to say, but you got to come out every week and, and beat the teams you're supposed to beat like that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because – um, you know, they didn't do it against Pitt. I mean, they got the win. A lot of people thought it should have been more. So I'm interested to see, you know, can they can they piggyback off what they did against Maryland and do something similar again against a depleted Purdue Boilermakers team? So let's talk about the world of college football a little bit here as well because it was a very interesting week in college football besides what happened 
with Penn State Nittany Lions. Saturday was absolutely crazy, highlighted by North Carolina having a two-point conversion to win the football game against Clemson. What kind of play was that? I mean, I, I like going for two there. If I'm North Carolina outplayed them the whole game. I mean, they, they really did outplay Clemson. Um, I like going for two there, go for the win if you're UNC, but the, the play call didn't make much sense running mm-hmm. like an, an option. Um, you know, and Clemson's defense is so fast laterally. Uh, it's like you're just running out of spaces the farther you go to the sideline. Uh, but that that was a heck of a game. Uh, it wasn't even on our pick em. Right. Uh, because, you know, you look at it, you're like, all right, well, Clemson plays in the ACC, which is arguably the weakest of the Power Fives. And um, it's Clemson and everybody else, but UNC was right there with them. And, and, if, and Clemson really, for the most part this year, hasn't – I don't know. They haven't looked as good as they were last year. And, yes. and people are starting to question, are they as hungry coming off of the national championship? And it's a fair, it's a fair question. The problem is, is they're not going to get tested much, at least on paper, but we didn't think UNC was much of a test. Um, they, they really should go 12-0 and and then win the conference to be 13-0, and but you never know because they're not playing like that kind of team right That's now. That's very true. And you saw in the rankings, not that it really matters because four teams go to the playoff, but Alabama jumped Clemson in both the AP and the coaches poll. And that led to a discussion amongst pundits nationally, and I will pose the question to you, Tyler. Who is the hottest? Who is the best? Who is the team in the country right now that you think would be most deserving if you took the names off the jerseys, there were no preseason polls. Who would you put as the number one team tonight? I would probably put Ohio State up there, uh, number one, as, as much as I wouldn't like to. But, um, you know, their body of work right now with Justin Fields, at quarterback, um, they've been very impressive. I mean, North, Nebraska isn't what people were cranking them up to be at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. I think that's very fair and obvious right now. Uh, but they went into Lincoln, which is no easy place to play, um, completely dismantled the Cornhuskers. Um, I, I think that... You know, I actually probably would have Clemson maybe four or five right now. Sure. Um, you know, the the playoff, LSU has LSU, been really good. LSU's up there. Oklahoma has looked good. Georgia probably Georgia, with the best win Georgia, of anybody. Right, and it's still early. I mean, it's it's October 1st. It's still very early. Conference play just kicked off. Uh, we'll learn, and that's why they don't do the playoff show until, what, late October? Right. Because that's when you really have a – and that's the only ranking that really matters. So the AP, obviously, that's a good poll to base your stuff off of. But at the end of the day, the, the college football playoff, when that comes out, that's all that matters. And they, and they give you a couple more weeks to show yourself, um, and then and then we know what they're, what they're thinking. And, and we'll know a lot if Clemson's undefeated and those other teams are, what they feel about Clemson. You know who we haven't mentioned is Wisconsin. Kind of a Jekyll and Hyde they where always, they, hammer, they always, yeah. hammer Michigan, struggle with Northwestern. So It's so typical, too. Um, I mean, I know that they go to Ohio State in a couple weeks, I think. Um, oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Sure, Michigan sure. State goes this weekend. But Wisconsin does travel to Columbus, I believe, and my internet's down right now, but um, at some point in the season. So that's another huge test for them. And being out west, I mean, let's face it, they have an easier schedule. Um, but they, they took care um, of Michigan handily. So they look very impressive, but you, I, I can't put them up there in the top five or near the, near it, but not in the top five, just because I think those other teams just have so many more athletes across the field. Uh both, both offense and defense that I'm not sure Wisconsin could hold up with for four quarters. So excited to talk about some of the games coming up this week, but we're going to save that for our last segment, which is with Bruce, Bra- Bruce Badgley of, uh, of Berks County Lore. He does a great job broadcasting high school football, small player, big play. We're going to talk about his new app that he's putting out there. And he is standing by here in studio. So we're going to take our first break here. We'll come back, go to the whiteboard. We're going to talk about some of the changes in Sean Clifford's delivery and how he approached the football game against Maryland, how play call from Ricky Ronnie helped, and where we see Sean Clifford going forward. So hang with us, guys. It will be a good one. You're watching the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Galhouse, and it's time for the Blitz, where we go to the whiteboard and we evaluate one aspect of Penn State football, whether good or bad, and break it down for you step by step. 
So last week, we got a lot of good feedback about Sean Clifford and our discussion on him when it came to footwork and evaluating the different aspects of the football field. So remember, we broke this down, if you saw us last week, into four quadrants of the football field, and really five, well, really four quadrants when you look at the two flats and then downfield, we're splitting that in half right down the middle. And Sean Clifford, last week, when he established his position in the pocket, anytime there was a rusher coming after him, he would have trouble with keeping the eyes downfield, maintaining the footwork, and it was closer to half P feet than it was to moving effectively and adroitly in the pocket. And thereby, you really could only identify one half of the football field to truly find a wide receiver. And we talked about Justin Shorter on this side of the field as the true X receiver versus Dotson as the Z and Hamler as the slot. Hamler, certainly the best target and the most athletic and the just generally the guy who gets open the most. So since that's naturally your first read, Dotson kind of got involved with that, but Shorter left somewhat on an island, wasn't getting as many targets. Well, we saw a lot of different receivers go out there against Maryland, certainly. But Sean Clifford did a much better job, and Ricky Ronnie did a much better job, allowing multiple receivers to get involved and allowing Clifford to be more successful in the offense. So let's talk about that. Clifford certainly still had his share of quick reads. So let's just throw K.J. Hamler here and Dotson here as it normally would be. K.J. did a great job of getting into the middle of the field. A lot of linebackers would come up. Clifford, first read, understood it, found Hamler. Some of that is Maryland not defending very well, and Clifford didn't need to get to his first read. Some of that is Ricky Ronnie putting his receivers in better positions to get open quickly. Some of that is the running backs doing a better job blocking and allowing Clifford more time. But we're not just going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the improvements that Sean Clifford did have. And it is most effectively going to be demonstrated on one play in particular. And that was a play towards the end of the first half, starting from the 37-yard line, where he had Journey Brown to his right. On this side of the field, you had K.J. Hamler in a tight formation here right near the line. And Bowers at the, at the tight end position was actually lined up outside him and then Dotson was out here. So certainly you'd think the first read would be to this side of the field. And if we redid this last week, you'd say, okay, well, if he's able to see and scope this area, but the footwork is still a problem and he's not able to get through his progressions, how is he going to find anybody over here? I'm with you. It would have been a struggle last week. But he worked really hard over the course of the last two weeks to get ready for this. He mentioned it after the game. He mentioned that his footwork wasn't the way he wanted it to be. So what did he do? He drops back on this play. Dotson heads out this way. Bowers runs a little post, and K.J. comes underneath as well. His first read is to K.J. Hamler. Then his eyes flow to Bowers. Neither of those guys are open. Weak side pressure comes from the Maryland defense, and Journey Brown chooses, okay, am I going to block or am I going to scoot out. Well, the, the right tackle, Will Fries, does a pretty good job to push his defender out towards the sideline. Clifford's in this area. Journey Brown heads out here. Clifford's able to step up and with his eyes up, avoids the pressure, finds Journey Brown open in the flat. Brown to the end zone, touchdown. I don't think that would have happened two weeks ago. Sean Clifford, the footwork was the key on that particular play. The ability to scoot in the pocket, move the feet with effectiveness and with a purpose, rather than just kind of skittering them. Happy feet is the term that I've used to describe this before. And that is what two weeks can do. That is what playing against a pretty good defensive team like Pitt can do. And that's a guy working really hard. He was really excited after that Pitt game to get back to the film and truly evaluate himself in a distinctive and a critical way. And that play, as much as any play we saw against that Maryland team, here's the part of the field where the first and the second read truly are, right? Dotson heading deep. Bowers and KJ are in the same area. 
But those are your first two reads, and there's nobody really on this side of the field. So he reads that. It's not there. Steps up in the pocket. Journey Brown here keeping the eyes up field and using that effective footwork and vision to get through multiple progressions, find his running back, ends up with six for the Nittany Lions. So there's a lot of things to break down there. Certainly, we talked about some of the play call from Ricky Ronnie, and that allowed him to be successful, allowed him to get the ball out quicker than they did against Pitt. Certainly, Maryland maybe not be the best defensive team and allowed some of those openings. But do not be deterred. Sean Clifford improved in a big way, had his best game as a Penn State Nittany line, which is two yards short of being the third Penn State quarterback in history to get to 400 yards. And from a fundamentals perspective, there was a lot to like from Sean Clifford. And I think there's a lot to like moving forward. One more, we won't call it tune-up, but one more game here this weekend against Purdue. And then I think he's going to need to put some of these skills to the test against a really talented Iowa team. And that's the game that I'm really looking forward to, to see just how far Sean Clifford has come. That's the Blitz segment here tonight. We'll come back with Bruce Badgley on the other side. This is the Nittany Lions Sports Report on Bob Long Sports. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse, and Bruce Badgley is with us. Oh, thanks, Bob. This is a blast, I can tell you that. Well, we are excited to have you. We're excited to have you because of all the great things you're doing across the state of Pennsylvania from a high school football perspective. And we understand that you have covered a lot of athletes that have made their way up to state college and now play for the Nittany Lions. So we're going to Use, uh, you know, use this time for you to learn a little bit about some of our favorite Nittany Lions here. Well, I appreciate, uh, you know, the opportunity. I've uh, been a big fan, you know, ever since we met, you know, a couple of years ago up in Reading at a Reading High basketball game there. Followed everything you've done. You've, you know, inspired me to really get into the broadcast aspect of, uh, you know, high school sports. I've been covering it here for about, uh, you know, 10 plus years, so. I appreciate being here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm glad we had the opportunity to meet in Reading as well, and the things you've done since that time have been spectacular. So, uh, Tyler, I don't know if you want to lead us off. I know you had some thoughts and questions for Bruce about his time covering athletics in uh, the Berks County area. Yeah, so obviously Bruce has covered, um, you know, most notably for Penn State, I would say right now is, is probably Jan Johnson, uh, most recent to – um, if you could talk about uh, Jan Johnson and where he is now compared to where you saw him in high school, obviously he was—I believe—he was going to Penn State to be a wrestler, and and switched, um, you know, turned into a walk-on football player, middle linebacker, um, and now he's a starter, captain, um, you know, having a pretty good career for a guy that was going there to wrestle. So, if you could talk about a little bit, Bruce, where he was when you saw him and where he is now as a football player. You know, are you surprised, um, you know, what you saw from him in high school compared to where he is now and, and maybe personal things like work ethic and that type of thing that people that, um, you know, might not know? Well, I know that, uh, you know, Jan had a sight set on Penn State for a long time. I think he had family members that went to Penn State. Uh, uh, Governor Mifflin, where he went to basically is, you know, my school district that I live in. I live just a couple blocks from uh, – you know, the high school and just a couple blocks up from, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the intermediate school where, uh, you know, uh, basketball games are, you know, been played and whatever like that. But, you know, Jan was, uh, you know, when I saw him as a freshman and I covered him his entire high school career, um, you know, he really stood out and uh, continued to stand out, you know, all throughout, you know, his high school career. Uh, as a leader, uh, his senior year, he basically did everything, including, you know, kicking extra points. Uh, you did talk about the fact that he was a you know very good wrestler. I mean, he was a two-time state champion in Pennsylvania wrestling. So when you say that, right. you know, Pennsylvania, that that that's big time. Uh, I do remember, you know, he uh, you know he really wanted to. Uh, the only uh, offer I think he had for football out of high school was to Akron. I mm. mean, that was the only offer he had. Um, Shame he didn't make his way over to Western PA. Huh? <laughs> no, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, Akron, Akron, Akron. Yeah, but. Uh, um, you know, uh, his freshman year up at Penn State, 
um, he I think they they redshirted him and they let him go early and he actually was on the wrestling team that year and in fact he actually wrestled in super heavyweight like uh, like 260 pound guys mm -hmm. because they had an injury and uh, Coach Franklin you know gave, lent him to the uh, to the wrestling team and he was wrestling against super heavyweights and you know he was holding his own so uh, Jan a very good athlete uh, really a smart guy I think. Uh, you know, that was pretty evident. And uh, it's not surprising uh, that he is where he is. Uh, he's, uh, you know, got a work ethic like, you know, nobody else. And, um, you know, I'm it's amazing to me to see the progression that that he's shown from the time that I saw the guy, you know, playing as a freshman in high right. school. Now a starting middle linebacker uh, for Penn State, I can tell you there's enormous pride. Uh, from all of the people that, you know, are associated with Governor Mifflin and that football program uh, that Jan Johnson, you know, has succeeded the, the way that he has. Yeah, that that's very important, um, you know, because <laughs> it's good to know that, you know, the community backs him. He seems like a really good guy. Um, apparently he's a man of few words from what I've heard. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> just does his job. Um, you know, he's a captain for a reason. And, I you know, he started his career um, – red shirting and in that Michigan game in 2016 right. when Penn State got blown out I, can't, I remember watching that so, it was like the first it, game that he was and, in and like you know the injuries were piling up for Penn State then you hear oh the walk-on wrestler who just tore you know tore his ACL now he, he's well he was in the game at linebacker now he's out and it's like what else could go wrong well Penn State turned around that year obviously and won the Big Ten um, and and when I think of Jan Johnson I think of everybody um, sometimes including myself who's like you know, I want to I want to see Ellis Brooks in the middle, who we're both very high on, Bob mm -hmm. and I. Um, you know, Ellis Brooks is a tremendous player and has a bright future in the middle at Penn State. Um, but Chan Johnson has just kept doing the right thing, um, doesn't mess up, uh, keeps making plays, and it's it's tough to keep him off the field. And and you know, people, you know, he might not be the sexy recruit, you know, the four star, five star recruit, but it doesn't really matter if you're out there doing your job and and you're helping the team win games. So it's it's a really good story. Um, you know, a local kid, and uh, he's got the community behind him, which is awesome to hear. Yeah, and opposite of that, too, you know, uh, been very fortunate that there's two other players, um, you know, from Reading on that squad. Uh, Isaac Lutz from mm -hmm. Burks Catholic. He's always been, you know, special teams Special player. teamer, yep. I mean, Except for this past weekend. He yeah, yeah. yeah. and he's he actually, in. he just got awarded a scholarship as well. Correct, uh, in the offseason. Off mm -hmm. yeah, offseason, so. his brother actually plays at Syracuse. Really? So, uh, Interesting. Yeah, so, uh, you know, a couple of Burks Catholic guys that I covered. Michael Mennett, Exeter High School. Uh, kind of the uh, opposite of what Jan Johnson right. uh, was in the fact that he was like the lineman in yep. you know Pennsylvania, his senior year. One of year them in the country, out, too. Absolutely, yeah. coming yeah. out of Exeter High School. And uh, actually, you know, that's where I got to meet Coach Franklin was actually on the sidelines of Exeter High School uh, because uh, Jan uh, was actually on the team. And then it was uh, uh, Michael Muddett's senior year. They were actually playing against Governor Mifflin. And uh, Coach Franklin was uh, it was a great opportunity for me. He was on the sidelines. I was on the sidelines. Uh, uh, it was, you know, hey, a nice moment for me getting to shake his hand. Sure. And he was he was working the crowd, both sidelines. Yeah, he yeah. had players, you know, really on both sides. So uh, that was a lot of fun for me as well. That's great. Well, that's a really good story and a good good segue there with all those guys that you've gotten to interview. We also have loaded into our set here <laughs> an interview that you did with Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I know you're a lifelong Bears fan, and uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting, cool, and good thing to put into our show to just give the viewers a sense of who you are, what you do. And this was a, uh, if I don't remember incorrectly, a banquet associated with high school sports in Berks County. It was. It was actually at the Mannheim, uh, Mannheim Touchdown Club, which yeah. is in Lancaster County. Okay. Um, but it features, it's uh, the Lancaster Lebanon League uh, includes Wilson High School, which is from Reading. And one of my give backs really was I approached the Mannheim Touchdown Club, really great organization, told them that I wanted to broadcast the game. And basically let the Manhattan Touchdown Club then sell the advertising, mm -hmm. you know, during the broadcast to, you know, generate some money because it all goes to scholarships and kids and what have you. So uh, after I, you know, proposed, you know, that I do the game and they accepted, then I found out that Matt Nagy was going to be the keynote speaker at the awards banquet. So for me, being a Chicago Bears fan, uh, you know, 
First thing I'm on the phone with Mike Williams out of the Touchdown Club saying, hey, Mike, okay, I guess that means I get an interview. There you go. And, right? uh, so it, it's <laughs> very brief, but, uh, you know, I cashed in a lot of chips from some of the local TV, from the local TV stations. Uh, Damon Turbot, good friend of mine from uh, Channel 27 in Harrisburg. Uh, he used a lot of my highlights from high school, so from high school games, cashing those chips. So he was able to film this. It was uh, very impromptu because it was very busy. But, uh, you know, you'll see that it's uh, – I definitely have the deer in the headlights look in my eyes. No, <laughs> no. Let's get right to it and let the viewers make their own call. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure meeting you, sir. Absolutely. How was the trip in? It was good. It was easy. Nice and uh, short and sweet and got good weather here. It's raining back in Chicago, so it's nice to see the sun. Well, as a lifelong Bears fan, this is a thrill of a lifetime for me. I never thought, you know, when I moved to southeastern Pennsylvania that I would have the opportunity to talk to the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But – um, you know, you, you were talking to the other media guys just a few moments ago, and you said you were here two years ago. Take us through the last two years on what that meant has, that, that's meant for you. Well, it's meant a lot. I could stand here for hours and tell you about it. Uh, it was a, it's been a big, uh, important two years for myself and my family, but uh, it's all about coming back and all the support that you get as a local player here, former player, uh, and now as a coach. It's just great to have, and, and you feel it, you love it. Uh, you want to be able to come back and give back. You know, all these players, all these coaches have the same dream that, that you had, you know, when you were here two years ago and when you were playing quarterback here at Mannheim Central. What's some of the advice that you would give these guys right now so that they can achieve, uh, you know, the goals that, that you obviously have? Probably the biggest piece that we all learn, and, and us as adults as well, is there's failures that happen. You know, there's this roadmap that there's going to be detours and roadblocks and different ways that you got to go throughout the next 15, 20 years of your life, and you don't know where it's going to take you. And uh, as long as you just kind of treat people the right way, you do things the right way, and you stay the course, um, normally good things happen. So I think that's the biggest thing right now. These kids are so young. And, uh, but before you know it, as we were just saying over there, it goes really quick. Uh, you have you know, four kids like I do that are heading off into high school, and so you just want to cherish every moment. So there he is, Bruce Badgley with Matt Nagy, and uh, that was a great interview. I'm, I'm glad we got to showcase that a little bit on the show here. Yeah, it was, a lot, it was an enormous amount of fun for me. Uh, bucket list item, I mean, look. Uh, as a guy who grew up in Northwest Indiana, to ever have to ever think that I would have the opportunity to interview the head coach of the Chicago Bears one on one, I mean, you know, crazy. But uh, I was, uh, it was an incredible moment. I'm glad that it got on tape, and you know, obviously something I'm going to cherish really for the rest of my life. So Bruce is a big time entrepreneur, and besides, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> and besides all the things he's doing across Central PA and beyond with broadcasting, you developed, in concert with a few other people, I believe, a new app called Small Player, Big Play. Kind of a conglomeration of content across not just the areas that you cover, but over to Philadelphia and beyond when it comes to high school sports. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, Small Player, Big Play, uh, you know, it came about with, uh, you know, a couple guys that uh, – you know, uh, one son is, was a player. Uh, another one was really uh, had developed apps. Uh, you know, we put together, uh, you know, a venture capital uh, group as well as uh, an attorney to cover, you know, all of the legal stuff regarding that. And so small player, big play. Um, it's out there. It's free at the App Store and on Google Play. Um, it's designed to be uh, safe social media for youth sports. I mean, it, it, it's really everything down to, you know, kids playing, uh, you know, flag football or what have you. Uh, for parents, the kids themselves to promote it themselves in a safe environment. Okay. There's nobody trying to sell you anything on small player, big play. Um, and uh, it's one that, uh, you know, we're very proud of. Um and along with that, it's a fundraiser, too. There's a, with the video portion of it, the game streaming, it allows for you know, schools and organizations and clubs to basically set up an account that when anybody, you know, goes in and watches that video that, you know, you're doing, I mean, if you're doing AAU basketball, not everybody can attend those games. So if the organization has somebody filming the game there and the game stream section of the app, then anybody can watch it live or it's archived there. 
and it's a great safe place then for the kids to watch it you know rather than i mean you never you know obviously we're on youtube but you know you never know what's going to pop up when a kid's on youtube or especially you know on twitter facebook what have you so small player big play gives them an opportunity to watch their games publicize themselves for organizations it gives them an opportunity to to uh, uh as a revenue stream mm-hmm. um to make some money that way too and it keeps everybody informed, you know, all over the country, all over the world on, you know, what's going on there. Bob, you talked about the fact that, you know, we can uh, upload links to all the top high school football games. Uh, you can do anything with that. If, if your game is broadcasted, you know, on YouTube or whatever, you just put your link in there and it'll, it'll come up on, on Small Player Big Play as well. So you can create your own video or you can upload video. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually export to other um, social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, you know, YouTube. You can all export. You can export out. You can't bring anything in, but you can take what you post on small, big, small player, big play and export it out. So uh, it's got a marketplace where if you've got any, you know, old equipment, uh, you know, which kids grow out of mm-hmm. opportunity to, you know, to post your uh, old equipment there in the marketplace. So it's a it's a very powerful app. Uh, one that, uh, you know, we're starting to get some traction, you know, really all over the country now. And um, so we really like it. And I think it sends a good message uh, for parents to, you know, if you want a safe place for your kid to really learn how to use social media. OK, um, how many times do you see all these kids now that they're, they're trying to get a college scholarship or whatever like that? And they're going back and looking at all this stuff that, you know, they've liked or, you know, they just react to on Twitter. Well, small player, big play, you know, isn't that way. It doesn't really care about how many, you know, friends you have. Just publicize yourself and do it in a, you know, a correct fashion. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Well, I'll tell you, if I may, small player, big play, great name. Brilliant. I mean, that's exactly the message you're trying to send and. Uh, I just wanted to commend you not only on the app and everything that you're doing, but I think that the message you're trying to convey is well done through that name itself. So we wish you the best with that. I'm a big proponent of it myself, so I'm glad we could get on and have you talk about it here a little bit. Well, thanks for, you know, obviously, uh, you know, having me on here tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you're going to see a lot you know, more about uh, small player, big play. Actually, we've had <laughs> it, it's it's very versatile in the fact of like, a, especially even like with AAU basketball, you can actually put somebody in and stream all the courts. In fact, that's how we launched mm. small player, big play is that we at a, at a local AAU basketball mm-hmm. uh, tournament in Reading, we were showing all the different courts that were going on. And actually the the uh, the uh, whoever was running the tournament basically said what courts like when they put out their schedule, what courts were going to be televised. So mm-hmm. and you can see that all right in there. The teams actually in between were watching their games then, you know, right in the app there, too. So it was really cool. cool. Really cool. I really Very like cool. it. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, Tyler, anything more for Bruce before we get to <laughs> the I'm reason? I'm here. Here. Oh, yeah, I'll talk to him yeah. later. I'll talk to him yeah, after the right. show for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. No, but um, yeah, we're going to get to our, uh, our pick them here for the week. Um, last week we had Rob went five and one as our guest picker. He's now tied with Tyler Kern atop the leaderboard. I mean, maybe it's something that's going on with the Bob Long sports, but they're picking very well. There are two, so. two leaders. Um, Those are our color commentators mm-hmm. from the South football. So yeah. both of them sit five and one. The winner at the end of the year gets some Bob Long sports yes. swag yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh of our show here. So and um, and actually, Bob and myself, along with Rob, all went five and one last week. That brings Bob's record up to fifteen and nine. I am up to eleven and thirteen, almost at the five hundred mark, trying to get there this week. <laughs> um, and and this week we have. We have a good slate of games, um, and and Bruce is going to pick, as always, Bruce. We're going to do five games head-to-head, and then we will cover Penn State and Purdue uh, for the spread for Penn State. And as we said earlier, we're going to stick with the minus 24.5 for Penn State, but we'll get to that last. Um, Let me just find here. We're going to start with Iowa Hawkeyes travel to Ann Arbor for a 12 o'clock game of Fox to take on the Wolverines. Uh, I guess that means I go first. And you so, are the, the guest, the and silent. you go first. Well, I mean, uh, you know, just full disclosure here, you know, I've been following Big Ten football for an awful long time. I'm, I'm obviously the elder statesman here today, but, um, you know, I grew up 
obviously in Indiana, near Chicago. I mean, that's kind of like ground zero for Big Ten football. You can say what mm -hmm. you want. And the nice part is, you know, when I grew up and I moved out here, that's around the same time that Penn State actually joined the Big Ten. Right. So for me, it was fantastic that, you know, I've been able to still stay very engaged in Big Ten football for an awful long time. I know that playing in Michigan on a 12 o'clock game on Saturday is just incredibly difficult. Uh, even though Iowa, I think they've won two in a row uh, going into this game, and uh, Michigan had that you know kind of stumble against Wisconsin. I really like Michigan. Um, I think that uh, that they're going to hit their stride here in this tough stretch where we play this round robin every year between all the top teams, which makes which I think makes Big Ten uh, really ahead of of the uh, SEC. Uh, but I like Michigan in this game. Interesting. Almost my point to the T. I, I think we're going to see a resurgence in the Michigan Wolverines. They struggled early this year and were kind of written off. As early as that Army game when they took them to overtime and then kind of sealed the door shut when, when Wisconsin blew out Michigan. I think Michigan's coming back, and for Nittany Lion fans, not that they necessarily are, but that's a game you cannot take lightly no matter what's happened earlier in the year. They have a lot of talent on that team. I think Shea Patterson still can be the guy. Uh, Don Brown always has something cooking defensively. I think they win this game at home against Iowa, and I think it has a chance to be a double-digit football game. Well, Michigan is minus three and a half. Um, Usually they give about three, three-and-a-half points. I think it's three to the home team mm -hmm. um, almost yep. every time. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm going to go Michigan, too. Um, I think that they have a lot to prove right now. They have more to prove than Iowa, in my opinion. I think that game being at home, um, even though it's a 12 o'clock start, that might benefit the home team in this situation. But I think that, um, you know, like, like Bruce and Bob both said, um, you know, Michigan's going to start hitting their stride, and they might. And and I think that there's this is a perfect time for them to do so against a hot, um, a hot Iowa team ranked 14 in the country. Kind of Michigan getting their their legs back under them here, and I think that um, I think it's going to be close, but I think Michigan will win. I do want to talk about though because um, they're obviously Penn State's next two opponents after that. Mm -hmm. But I want to focus on Iowa for a little bit just to get your thoughts. Penn State playing Iowa next week. Obviously, Penn State has on paper an easier matchup this week than Iowa does. Does Iowa winning, losing? How, what What do you think would benefit Penn State's uh, standpoint? Because it can go either way with that aspect. Yeah. Or or no no influence yeah. at all. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, that's a philosophical. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about that. Bob. I'm going to take the philosophy out of it. I, I think if they lose the football game, they're probably not as good as we think they are now. And if they win the football game, they're better than Michigan. And that makes the matchup more difficult for Penn State. Um, now, to put some philosophy back into it, <laughs> <laughs> a road game at Iowa – with an Iowa team. It's at night, by the way. That's yeah. it. You're mm -hmm. right. 7.30 kick, 6.30 central, but it'll be plenty dark. With a team that would be undefeated at that point. And now is thinking, okay, we are getting through. This would be the second of two very difficult games in a row. And then they'll have a game against Wisconsin later on. But uh, that's a huge game for Iowa. They talk about the Penn State game every year they play them, which we've been fortunate has been a lot, and that is now going to end for a little while, unfortunately, after this one. Um, I think it would be more difficult if Iowa won, even if we're going philosophy. Um, I think that night game atmosphere with uh, Iowa being in the top ten would be quite difficult for Penn State to walk into. I'm always the one that, that y you, know, you can ride momentum. Uh, I think playing a tougher opponent prepares you for a tougher opponent. Um, and I think that it makes it much more difficult on Penn State because Iowa is playing in Michigan rather than Penn State having a cakewalk for Purdue. That's just sure, my yeah. philosophy. But oh, yeah. You see, that, you see that, I think, at, at, at not only in high school football but in college football as well, that you know that momentum – that you can gain from from playing well against a good opponent far exceeds anything any benefit you might get of walking over somebody like Penn State's yeah. right. you know we're, well, and we'll get to it sounds like we were answering two yeah, slightly different yeah, questions yeah, there no, no, too. but the way I, I brought it up to some people that I know that follow Penn State very closely and they said oh well, I want I want Iowa to win 
like because they want they want to get um, you know a higher ranked whether it's a higher ranked Iowa and also <laughs> to mention that a lot of times after after a loss Kirk Ferentz is very good after a loss um, so obviously they travel to Michigan which could be a loss Iowa also has in my opinion a better chance it's this is a much more physical game Iowa and Michigan than Penn State Purdue mm-hmm. um, you know if Penn State can escape and get out of there without injuries. Iowa could get a little banged up in this. It's going to be a very physical game up in the trenches. Sure. Could that help Penn State next week? Could they be it, it it's a double-edged sword kind of like I think it helps. I think it helps the team that that's playing the tougher. Y- yeah, I, I mean, really do. I mean, uh, mentally. Yep. Yeah. And so that's something that that's going to be interesting because this game unfortunately is at the same time. Uh it's at noon just like the Penn State game, so you really can't right. it's going to be tough to go back and forth, but everyone's going to be keeping an eye on the score for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, it's an interesting question, though, Tyler. Either way, and and next Penn week's State's show, we'll, where we'll, they we'll go. know what we're going to be talking about because obviously <laughs> we'll know if they won or lost, and then we can go from there. There you go. Right. And uh, all right. So without further ado, the next game is battle of top ten SEC teams. Auburn Tigers travel to Swamp to take on the Gators. And you know we segued into why I like Auburn. You know, playing and playing well and winning against a tough opponent versus Florida, kind of hanging back, playing a one double A team. Uh, I think that the momentum is clearly on the side of Auburn, even though they've got to go. They're they're at Florida. Um, I like Auburn. I think they're playing well. They've got the momentum, and uh, you know that, like I said, that that's the philosophical aspect of it. But obviously, Auburn, uh, an awfully tough team. Two coaches that have gotten to know each other extremely well. Dan Mullen with his time in the SEC West at Mississippi State. Gus Malzahn saw him every single year. Malzahn's had a lot of success with Auburn against Mississippi State. Obviously, Florida, not Mississippi State. These are two teams that I'm not sure I trust yet. I don't know which of these oh, teams man. I trust. I, I just know it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mean, both these defenses are good. and I, I don't know. It's a toss-up in terms of who you're going to trust, but it's going to be low-scoring. Yeah, I'm going Auburn. I'm going Auburn in a close one. I like the Tigers man. to win this game. I just don't know if I trust Florida yet. Well, <laughs> you know, you're behind. You have to, like, pick somebody different <laughs> if you want to catch up. That's what right? I, yeah, I know. But then it's like if I'm wrong, then I'm going farther back. But I like the way you think. If but, he did it last week, he would have yeah. gone three and three. I know. I yeah. was five and one, and so was he. Um, so Florida has kind of looked a little bit better ever since Felipe Franks went down uh, with uh, Trask at quarterback. Um, now, the, the competition, they made that comeback against Kentucky, actually, when Franks got hurt. They came back to win that game. And he's looked solid since. Both these teams rely on their defenses. I expect a like a twenty to seventeen type of game. Um, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Florida <laughs> simply because the game is in the swamp. Yep. Bo Nix, freshman quarterback at Auburn, appears to be very very good. True freshman. Look, the the, the lights aren't too bright. He he won against Oregon the first game at AT and T Stadium. He he won last week two weeks ago um, at Texas A and M. Kyle Field, tough place to play. So it's not that the lights are too bright for him, but I think that it's finally going to catch up. He, he's a freshman. He's going to start making those freshman mistakes, and I think that starts to happen this week um, at Florida, and I think Florida escapes with a win at home. I think that's a solid pick. As you, as you picked Auburn, though. <laughs> I had good reasoning. Go I had, you can't go I mean, it's, it's kind of I like, mean, you can go wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna to go down to the Big 12 now. Um, Baylor escaped um, Iowa State. Iowa State had a late comeback. Mm-hmm. It was one of our picks last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we picked Iowa State. Yep. Rob picked Baylor. Rob won that one. So Baylor travels to Kansas State in the little apple that is Manhattan, Kansas. You know, very interesting. Um, you know, not a lot of these schools play a lot of road games anymore, you know, because these big schools are, you know, taking all these big money or giving big money games to these one double A schools and what have you. Sure. Uh, you know, it used to be that it would be equal. Now it's, you know, more like eight and four, eight home games, four, you know, away games. And they're all, you know, in their conference, most of them. Um, so I don't think that there's the experience in handling, you know, uh, a, a hostile road crowd that really, you know, a Baylor team that's just starting to get their feet under them. Uh, is going to have so that's why I like Kansas State uh, you know in this one um, I think and you said that uh, Baylor was uh, favored slightly in this one uh, actually um, where was it Kansas, Kansas State, State is minus two okay 
Um, which basically and they're yeah. home. Yeah. So take yeah. it for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I mean, I'm. I still think that uh, it's a team that that's trying to find themselves in Baylor, and I think it's going to be a a tough task to beat Kansas State at home. Yeah, I went back and forth on this one. This is, they're, I, they're good picks this they, week. They it's, if, he does, good if he does say so they're, himself. They're not, <laughs> Who they're, picks these games? <laughs> <laughs> they're not just cut and dry, that's for sure. I really thought that Iowa State was going to win that football game. I was as confident and as confident I could mean, be. I mean, they were down, I think, 21 nothing, and then took the lead out of nowhere. Yep, yep. So I don't know if I trust Baylor. They won the football game. That game was at Baylor, if I remember correctly. It was. Um, I don't like betting against <laughs> Matt Rule, but I think I'm going I to. I know. I, I think I'm going to take Kansas State in that football game just on a hunch. Matt Rule actually just got an extension. I don't know if you saw that or not, but uh, he's going to be He's going to be Baylor sitting on his laurels now. He's done, um, he's done a great job. <laughs> he has. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. State, he's a state college product, actually, um, and Penn State graduate. Uh, did a great job at Temple. It was uh, it was funny. I was actually talking to one of his roommates uh, <laughs> over the weekend, and we were we were talking about Matt Rule watching no the game. Yeah, um, and uh, he he had some very interesting opinions about Matt, but uh, none of which that you know would would you know. Uh, say that he's not not a good coach but uh, we'll just leave it at that <laughs> i understand he knew how to party a little bit and he knew how to party a little bit that's right i won't even say who it was <laughs> um i'm gonna go kansas state uh my reasoning for this is i know a kid that goes to kansas state and i don't know anybody that goes to baylor <laughs> so for that i'm gonna go kansas state he had all week and minus two Minus Is it Yusuf Terry, you went to Imhotep. <laughs> yeah. Does he play for Baylor? There you go. See, there? That's yeah, right. Uh, okay. You Philadelphia okay. kid, yeah. But I don't, I don't know him personally. Oh, okay. All right. um, Mike, Michael Barella, <laughs> if he's out there watching, um, he, he's a Kansas State kid. So, so Michael Barella is going to have more of an impact on the conclusion of this football game than Yusuf Terry. <laughs> he is. is that he, what will, I'm hearing? he will be in the stands. I get the Snapchats from him every week, so okay. he'll, be, he'll be rowdy and ready to go for uh, <laughs> for the Wildcats. Um, the fourth game on our slate, we have. Pittsburgh Panthers, who are very difficult to figure out these days, they um, they travel to Duke and take on the Blue Devils, who just came off of a uh, lopsided win against Virginia Tech. You know, uh, philosophy out the window, okay? I have a daughter at Pitt. I had one that graduated. Uh, my good friend's uh, son plays for him. I'm picking Pitt. <laughs> good reasons. Good reasons. <laughs> Pitt's got every fourth down play from the goal line. In the books right now. Now that the Penn State game is over, they bring them all out. Give me Pitt. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Duke here. Uh, Duke it, just because they're the home team and it's at night and they're minus four. I'm not a big line guy. I don't really know how to read them too much. Besides, I know that that means they're supposed to win by four. If that's what Vegas is saying. <laughs> but um, I just think that Pitt's too inconsistent. I mean, they, they squeaked past Delaware. I know Kenny Pick, I believe he was hurt because the backup was in. Um, you know, they play Penn State tough. Then they come back and, and look pretty good for the second part of the game against UCF and pull off the win with the Pitt special. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then now they're going they, – they barely beat Delaware, like I said last week, and now they're traveling to Duke, who's coming off a couple big wins. So I'm going to go Blue Devils here. Okay. You guys both took Pitt, right? We got yes. Pitt. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And then um, our fifth game. He's got opportunities to our, get back I know, in it. I know. That's it, what it's all about. It Sometimes is. you got to go for broke. You I know? know. Here we go. And, and an interesting Friday night clash of uh, UCF traveling to Cincinnati uh, for an AAC showdown on Friday night. Interesting game here. I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, you know, um, UCF, uh, obviously the loss to Pitt, uh, you know, they're still a ranked team. Um, kind of an AAC, you know, elimination game really for these teams, you know. So early on, a lot on the line. Uh, but I like UCF. I think that they're a very talented team. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati, they still might be about a year away, I think, from, from really being a contender there. I agree. UCF, just a better football team right now. I think they find a way to win on the road. I thought Cincinnati was going to be a lot better this year. Um, I thought that they would give Ohio State a much better game than I believe was 42 nothing. I'm going to go UCF for that reason because from what I saw from Cincinnati this year, just not much there right now. So I think they're well coached with Luke Fickle being there. Again, a year or two away, going UCF for the clean sweep up here. And um, and last pick, we will have uh, – we're going to keep Penn State at minus 24 and a half. 
um, as they take on Purdue for homecoming this week. Uh, it's a 12 o'clock kick, Beaver Stadium. Penn State minus 24.5. Bruce, are they going to cover and give us a score prediction? Oh, I, I think that they're going to cover. I like it about uh, 35 to 7, okay? I mean, uh, I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> without their quarterback and without more, really. I mean, how are they going to score any points? And I think that that seven comes late in the game. It, right. it is not going to come. Or early. off of like a turnover and yeah, gives them the ball be, at the 20. Right. It, and, and, and see, that's the thing you have to worry about in a game like this in the cover is – Who's playing at that time? Exactly. They can get backdoored at the end, some cheap touchdown at the end. Exactly with the third right. You know, like there. Scott yeah. Van Pelt has the bad beat. Well, right. you know, <laughs> this, is, this is like a bad beat waiting to happen in my view. Uh, look, uh, you know, another thing, I talked about how easy it was for me to pick for Pitt. It's easy for me to pick against Purdue because I went to Indiana. So right. <laughs> I would never pick The Purdue. old oaken bucket, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The old oaken bucket. Yep. And it's not any more friendly in basketball either. So well, uh, Actually, it's really good basketball matchups yes. recently. I mean, Purdue mm. arguably as of late has been a better program, but Indiana has a historic, on, historic part on their side. And I think Indiana will be back to that level. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later because it's a historic program and got to love the, the warm-up pants and assembly hall. Yeah, right. the candy so, stripes. I mean, yeah, it's they're classic, the best. you yeah. know? I mean, it's, you know, Gene Hackman and everything yeah. else involved with, like, Hoosiers. But, you know, no, I, I, I really think that, that the one thing you got to watch out for is the bad beat. But mm-hmm. Penn State, I, I think, will cover. I like Penn State to cover, too. I'm very happy, Tyler, that you're leaving it at 24-and-a-half because if it was 27 – I just it makes feels a big difference, more, diff- like we more said difficult earlier. to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little concerned about even the 24 and a half, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But you I, think they're going to cover? But it. I do. I am going to pick Penn State to cover. Uh, I wonder if what's the weather supposed to be like Saturday? Uh, I think 60, it's supposed to be nice. 60 yeah, and sunny. I mean, it's starting to definitely get chilly, but it's very good football. But that's weather. what I mean. Uh, you know, about that bad beat or whatever like that. If it's good field goal weather, if it's not yeah. windy and it's not nasty weather, there could be yeah. you know field goal in there. Yeah. So that's if it right. goes up to twenty seven. I think it's it's a tough right. But at twenty four and a half, you're taking Penn State. Taking Penn State. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. The twenty seven it does make a, a, a much difficult decision. I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna cover two. I think Penn State's gonna win about forty two to fourteen. Um what does that put me at? Uh what twenty eight? Yeah. Same so first. So if you're going if you're going uh twenty seven and a half, I think that's really what the score is gonna line up to be. Um Purdue, I don't know how they're gonna move the they've been able to move the ball pretty much all year. Yes, they but have. But without their quarterback, without Rondell Moore, arguably the best playmaker in college football, yeah. one of the best, if not the best, I don't know how they're going to move the ball. Penn State's defense is very good. Mm-hmm. We've seen that as of all season long. They've been they've been stingy. Um, I don't. I know Purdue is terrible against the pass on defense. Uh, Clifford coming off his best game as of late. Tons of weapons. Um, I don't know how Purdue can score on Penn State a lot with those guys out. I don't know how Purdue's going to stop Penn State with how they're uh, rolling right now on offense. So taking them to cover. I like it. Some good picks there. Thank you, as always, for putting those together. Absolutely. Tyler. I really enjoy it. <laughs> and we'll see how we go. I mean, it, there is, this, is, this might be our toughest week yet, in my yeah. opinion, for the games. Um, a lot of ranked versus ranked matchups on here. And then even like a Pitt-Duke game is going to be tough to call in like the Baylor-Kansas State game. Right. Mm-hmm. So it should be a good week. It should be. But we hope, Bruce – that you have good success this weekend with these picks. Maybe you find yourself atop the rankings by the time we come back and do this next week. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Who we've got? Uh, who's LaSalle playing this week? Are you uh, this weekend? Bun? Yeah, Saturday night against Father Judge. Okay, that's so oh, that'll that be a blowout. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that uh, right. That that one will definitely cover. What was the <laughs> score? What was the score? <laughs> what was the score? Because we did talk about it last week. The prep LaSalle oh. game. It was forty-four to thirteen. Yeah. But I and I and I said by at least two touchdowns. For prep, and I know you got you congratulations guys on that. I won last week. <laughs> Tiebreaker goes to me because we there were all five one. But I mean, prep, I their head and shoulders. I mean, it's the we, best high school ta- football team that I've ever seen. We talked yeah, about it I, last week with uh, the Division One and the lineage of some of these kids: Trotter Jr., uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., quarterback McCord. I mean, they seem like they're loaded. Yeah, they they're are. all back next and, year. And yeah. and but LaSalle's a pretty young team. I know you talked about their running back is young and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But St. Joe's prep. I mean, I fully expect them to win the state. 
Oh yeah, clearly. I mean, you know, the fortunate thing that that I've had uh, for the last since we've gone to six classifications, I've gotten to do all of the state championship games hmm. in the state of Pennsylvania. I got to see, you know, St. Joe Prep, uh, you know, win last year in a you know hard fought battle with Harrisburg the previous year. They lost to Pine Richland, right? And so, you know, it's. It, it, it was very easy to see the difference in that team last year versus the previous year. And, you know, the maturity level, I mean, it's the same guys, <laughs> you know, it's the same guys there that, uh, you know, just really showed uh, tremendous talent and uh, just uh, uh, the way that they play uh, just, it's amazing. So, um, but for me, you know, I'm just doing my, my Berks County game. Uh, actually, Believe it or not, it's a very uh, small school. Uh, Fleetwood, who's come back from um, Nowheresville, uh, to uh, they were they were two and eight and won one game the previous year, and they were undefeated actually going into last mm, week. How about and that? So um, we're going to be doing that game with uh, uh, Schuylkill Valley, which is a you know a local school mm -hmm. there. So uh, do Berks County games. We do it on community TV. We do it in conjunction with Alvernia University. Um, giving paid internships for some of the college kids that work on the broadcast and supporting community television and, Perfect. you know, getting it out to all the fans there in Berks County. And, you know, it's all on, on YouTube. We're on cable. We're online. We're on demand, just like you, Bob. I mean, right. the best thing is, is that, uh, you know, people all over the country can watch the games. I mean, the alumni love the games all over the country. So it's great what you do, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we wanted to collaborate on this one and get you on the show here. I know You've been an avid watcher, so we appreciate that. And glad you could see the production from start to finish, and I'm glad the finishing part involved you on air. It was well, a lot of fun. Thanks so much, man. I really <laughs> appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Bruce, for your time. That's Bruce Badgley. Everything high school football in the central part of the state. Small player, big play app. Download that. Check it out. Make it a part of your weekly routine. And to you, Tyler, thanks, as always, for your time. It was great. Excellent picks this week, although you made Bruce's job very difficult to go up against Tyler and Rob <laughs> with those layups hey, we yeah, gave him. Yeah, I mean, he does because you guys are all in the radio together. Not you don't work with mm -hmm. Bob, but, you know, you guys know your stuff. So pressure's on now, Bruce. Pressure's on. Five and one, five and one. Can you top it? <laughs> we'll see what happens. We gotta, I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah, but well, you have a tough schedule, though. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. Right. <laughs> well, enjoyed the time, everybody. Thanks for being with us this week and every week here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. We're pushing our show next week to Wednesday night. And that's actually going to line up with the HBO release of 24-7 College Football. And Penn State, your Nittany Lions, are being featured on there. That's, a, I believe, a 10 o'clock p.m. release on HBO. So check that out, but make us a part of your Wednesday evening leading into that. We look forward to seeing everybody soon. Enjoy the football, and have a great rest of your week.